1: Welcome to a Tuesday edition of the RotoWire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen, Alex Barutha here with you. Uh, we are on what Thanksgiving Eve Eve here, Alex. Uh, and the, the NBA, yes, it is taking Thanksgiving Day off. That is all well and good, but pretty much every other day this week is, is just packed with games. We got some five game weeks. We got a bunch of four game weeks. Uh, the, the NBA kind of kind of overcompensating, it feels like, for taking Thursday off. And it's been a busy week already. Uh, we got four games. On our Tuesday night slate, uh, a huge slate on Wednesday, big slate Friday as well. Uh, We're going to go around the Western Conference. We we did the East last week. We hit all 15 teams. Uh, We'll we'll try to keep this one a little tighter. No promises. You know, we always say one to two minutes per team. It's usually more like four to seven minutes per team, depending on what we have to talk about. But uh, there might be a few skips in here for me, Alex. We we got the (laughs) Lakers. I don't have a whole lot to say about the Lakers these days. I don't have a whole lot to say uh, about the three and 14 Houston Rockets for instance, but, uh, looking forward to this nonetheless, but how are you doing? Are you getting pumped for Thanksgiving? Pumped
2: for Thanksgiving. Um, looking forward to some Turkey, some stuffing, um, all that, uh, I somehow avoided Yeah, you know, Like the past few days, there've been a ridiculous amount of injuries in the NBA and somehow I've avoided most of the serious ones. Like I don't have Lillard. Don't have uh, maxi except in one spot. Um, the Morant thing seemed like it was going to be worse, but is it, he might apparently be back after like two days instead of being week to week.
1: Yeah. The, the Morant thing is, is very interesting. And he, he went from, like you said, week to week to doubtful, to questionable, to game time decision all of a sudden <laughs> uh, for tonight. Uh, I, you know, I, it's hard to say if that's like gamesmanship by the Grizzlies uh, hard to imagine that you would feel the need to do that in November uh, for a home game against the Sacramento Kings, but who knows Um, either way, kind of a sigh of relief. It feels like the first positive injury news uh, that we've had in a while, everything else is, is kind of been doom and gloom. And I, it, it's almost more frustrating to me that all the injuries and, and some of these have been illnesses, you know, Jokic has been in COVID protocols, Jamal Murray. Um, it, that, That's been the case for a lot of guys around the league, but we really haven't had any major injuries unless I'm forgetting something. Uh, it's, it's been these like two to five game absences that just kill you for fantasy.
2: Yeah. Or guys who get strung along as like questionable or doubtful for like two weeks, like Lamelo and uh, Terry Rozier was doubtful for like two weeks. Uh, but yeah, nothing, nothing like season ending. Although I, uh, I think this Cade Cunningham shin thing from, the vibes that have been yeah. around that the strong chance that it requires surgery. And then I think a season might be done after that.
1: Ooh, really? That is, uh, I, mean, I had not, I had not read into it that much. I mean, it's it's not looking good. That's for sure. And I, I think Detroit, you know, there's, there was some, some hope early on that, that Detroit maybe could be a little more competitive and, you know, they're sitting at three and 15. I think it's pretty clear where they're headed. I mean, you, you think it could be that bad? I think so. I mean, I think,
2: they they ruled him out indefinitely. I mean, he's got a stress fracture in his shin, mm-hmm. and they're kind of trying to decide between surgery and not. Um, I just I I don't I don't know exactly what the timetable is on a, a like I don't even know what the recovery is for like a shin fracture, but it can't be short. Like even for example, we had um, you know Zach Collins, right? He like. Broke his, He broke his leg, basically. He's going to be out like right. a month or two. So at the very least, Cade would be out like probably a month or two, let's say two months, even if this was fine. He didn't get surgery. And then if he gets surgery, that has to add another however many months. And pretty soon, it's we're already into like March. And at that point, why are you bringing him back?
1: Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, when you look at it that way, I mean, it's, it, it would make sense. Uh, I think competitively, obviously Detroit is, you know, kind of already in a different phase of this season and, and they're looking toward the future. I, I think it is a, it would be kind of a, a convenient SGA like uh, excuse to to just gun for Wembenyama. that is for sure. Um, but man, I mean, that, that would be a, a pretty disappointing outcome for Cade Cunningham who currently has played in what 12 games this season. Uh, that, that would not be ideal. We'll leave it at that. Um, but let's go, let's go around the Western conference here. And as we did with the East, we will start at the bottom. Uh, A lot of interesting things happening at the bottom of this conference. And of course that brings us to the Houston Rockets who are right on the Pistons tail for that worst record in the NBA. They are three and 14 are the Houston Rockets. They are off tonight. Uh, They will play their next game. When is it? Uh, I think they don't play till Friday, Friday, Uh, man, this is about the path that I, I think we thought the Rockets would be heading down. Uh, you know, I was very excited for for Jalen green year two and for the most part, he's been fine. You know, the numbers are are pretty much mirror images of, of last year, almost to a T I mean, percentages are almost identical. Scoring's up a little bit. Minutes are up a little bit, but on the whole, this has been a uh, uh, it's been a, a slog we'll say for, for the Houston Rockets. And, um, yeah, I think Jabari Smith is is kind of the the storyline that I feel like I, I find myself following more than anything with this team.
2: Yeah, Jabari he had a he had a really nice night against the Warriors. Yeah, uh, the other night. I don't know if that was like his best game of the season for sure. Um, it was well, had, it was in the top three for sure. Yeah, career high twenty two points, eight of fourteen. He's I I want to say he's starting to round into form. But he had gone through a really cold stretch, like late yeah. October, earlier this month, where there was a seven-game stretch where he shot 28% from the field. Obviously, he's not that bad, but he he was shooting with confidence against the Warriors, just shooting straight over people who were shorter there than him, which is pretty much what you expect. And so I think I think he'll have a stronger, like I think he's a buy low. Let's put it yes. that way, because I think he also has more defensive upside than he shown. He has a you know, he's he's racking up like one block a game right now in 30 minutes, but he's had a few two, three block performances.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah the the efficiency is puzzling to me because he he was extremely efficient at the college level. That was one of the big selling points uh, with Jabari Smith. But uh, to me, I, I I don't really hold it against him necessarily. Like if you watch these games, um, you know I mean he's taking a ton of threes, like probably probably more threes than he would like. I mean, well over half of his field goal attempts on the season have come from beyond the arc. And to me, it's just you're playing with two extremely ball-dominant guards. You're playing with a ball-dominant big man in Shangun, who can pass, yes, but is still uh, more of a score-first guy at this point. And it just feels like whenever he gets the ball, he feels like, if I pass it, I'm not getting it back, so I have to put this ball up. And like you said, sometimes you know it leads to some impressive plays. Like he He's long, he's athletic, he can shoot over guys, but I also think he's, he's settling for a lot of shots that he normally – would not take because it feels like, again, I, I'm not getting the ball back. Like I have to shoot it now or th- this is my only opportunity. So I, I do think that that, that field goal percentage is going to come up. He's not going to shoot 33% on the year. I, I think the best thing for him would be Houston moving on <laughs> from Kevin Porter at some point, which it doesn't look like they want to do, but I, I just think like the type of player that Jabari Smith is like, he's not Bancaro, he, he doesn't handle the ball like that. He doesn't attack like that. Um, you know, he, he, he could kind of be a role player, but I, I just don't think he's a good fit. Uh, with the rest of the starting group right now.
2: Yeah, I was, when I was watching the Rockets-Warriors game, I was watching the Rockets broadcast, and they were talking about how the team just makes so much more sense and is so much more coherent with Kevin Porter on the floor. And, uh, I mean, I'm going to trust them. And he's having a good season, but, you know, I know a lot of people are kind of down on him. Uh, uh, Jabari Smith kind of reminds me of Richard Lewis, I don't know if you if yeah. you feel that confident. Yeah, at I all. like that. Yeah, so I I mean, and Rashard Lewis, you know, ended up having a good career, but it's like he's he's sort of he was sort of just a you you kick it to him and he shoots. Like he's part of that Dwight Howard Orlando oh, yeah. squad where he's jacking up seven threes a game, forty percent, you know, six boards, two and a half assists, could get some defensive stats because he's tall. So um, I'm not that worried about him this year. I think you'll I think you'll have a relatively strong second
1: half. I think so too. And I, I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to have a like Jalen green type of second half where all of a sudden he's giving you like 20 a night. Um, but I, I think, yeah, the, the efficiency will gradually tick up. I think he's just kind of had a little bit of a culture shock uh, coming from being the man at Auburn where, where he did play with some, some pretty ball dominant guards to, to his credit. But um, I think it's a tough adjustment playing alongside green and Porter. Those are really, really difficult guys to mesh with uh, for fantasy purposes, by the way, Jabari Smith, one hundred eighty sixth overall in per game, nine cat value. So a uh, buy low, but right now, I, I just don't really know if you could justify starting him. I, I think he's a hold though uh, in most leagues. The San Antonio Spurs, six and 12 at this juncture, uh, started to rest some guys on back-to-backs of late. That's not a huge surprise. Uh, you know, San Antonio was in that basket of teams. That was pretty surprising early on. They, you know, with the Spurs, it's never surprising when they're competitive. Just they always find ways. But ultimately, I, I do think this is, for sure a bottom three to four team in the Western conference when all is said and done.
2: I think so. I mean their best players who Devin Vassell. I mean, how where is your upside with that? I think they have no they have no interest in like if someone is even remotely hurt, they're gonna sit. You know, they got guys coming off the bench who they're they'll they'll have fill in. You know, the Charles Bassey experience or like Malachi Branham. Um I, I think I think if you I don't think anybody, I, I think Jakob Purtle is a sell high if you have him on your roster, because he's one of those guys where the trade rumors have been swirling about him. It would make sense for for San Antonio to trade him. You know, they have Bassie and Zach Collins, who presumably be healthy by the trade deadline. They'll have them there, and then they can be firmly in the Wembanyama sweepstakes. But as far as like Vassell, Kelton Johnson, Trey Jones, I think all, all of their play is sustainable and maybe has upside to get even better.
1: Yeah, I'm not too worried about th- that trio uh, as far as their viability. I-, I think they can play those guys and still lose plenty of games. Like, they're going to find a way to to veer into the Wembenyama sweepstakes tastefully, uh, whereas some other teams <laughs> maybe will not. I'm terrified, though, uh, as someone who has Pirtle in a couple leagues. Um, you know, it, kind of being the one to initiate a-, a sell-high deal is never fun. That's for sure. Right. Um, you know, try to time the market at the right time. But, you know, hearing reports that, like, Boston, for example, is interested in Jakob Pirtle that would not be good for his fantasy value because Robert Williams is coming back at some point and, you know, he, he is by no means going to be locked into uh, some sort of 30 to 35 minute per night role. Like he is right now in San Antonio. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I would be shocked if is on this roster long-term. I, I think I, I'm going to, I'm going to ride him out for at least another month. You know, I, I don't know that a trade happens imminently, but you know, come late January, come February. I, I think that's the time that you want to try to capitalize The NBA is back. On behalf of Vivid Seats, let's get one thing clear. Nothing beats seeing your favorite team beat every other team live and in person to the sound of thousands of screaming fans. Vivid Seats believes that real fans deserve to be rewarded and that you deserve a ticketing platform that not only makes it easy to find great deals, but also rewards you all season long. Vivid Seats is the only ticketing company where you can earn rewards with every purchase. No one else has that. They even have a 100% buyer guarantee that your ticket will be as legit as your love for the game. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today and use our promo code ROTOWIRE for $10 off your first purchase of at least $100. Again, that promo code is ROTOWIRE, R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E, for $10 off your first $100 ticket purchase. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. Vivid Experience it live. The LA Lakers. I-, I joked about the Lakers in the intro. They're five and ten. They have won three games in a row. Uh, they will not have LeBron James back for tonight's game against the Phoenix Suns, who will be without Chris Paul. Uh Suns that last I saw were like 10-point favorites in that game. I, I do think they probably take care of business, but Anthony Davis reminding us that he is in fact a good basketball player these last three games. Um you know, through 15 games, I, I am feeling like I kind of missed the boat on Davis. You could get him at a discount. Everybody was down on him coming into this year. I, I don't want to be super negative, but I still feel like at some point that injury is coming.
2: I have him on one team and I do feel like that injury is coming. I, I've been, I've been kind of riding high. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to make a trade or anything uh, away from him, even though theoretically I probably should. You know, LeBron comes back, his used it just going to go down. Maybe there's an injury. Late in the season, who knows if they continue to be bad. And um yeah, I mean there's their their rotation is actually about to get a little more murky. Not that anybody really besides like four guys on this team has any sort of fantasy value, but you know, Dennis Schroeder and Thomas Bryant, they're playing. Like that they, they both got twenty-three minutes the other night. They're in the rotation. I know LA's kind of dealing with injuries, but that's something to monitor at least with them, something new.
1: Yeah. It's been considerably less depressing over the last week. That's for sure. I I still think the Lakers are in a really tough spot. Uh, You know, I, I, the buddy healed miles Turner trade rumors seem to be swirling like once a week. Um, You know, Russell Westbrook playing okay off the bench. I think that's been a a decent move for them, but um, you know, even, even looking at their like rotation minutes breakdown on the back end of our site, like it's, I don't know what they're going to do going forward. Like now with, with none healthy, Schroeder, healthy Lonnie Walker, Russell Westbrook, like they have just like a bunch of C plus guards on this team. And yeah. I, I don't really know who the, the odd man out is going to be like a, a trade is coming at some point uh, again. I don't know if they're going to go full on and, you know, completely overhaul this roster in the way that we've seen LeBron teams uh, do that on the fly in the past. Uh, you know, there, there was reports last week that they're, they're kind of, you know, wishing for for Bradley Beal to ask out and force his way to LA. Uh, Good luck with that, you know, making that trade work. I have no idea uh, how that would even be possible. You know, you'd have to rope in a third team, you would think. Um, But it it does seem to me like the Lakers are playing just well enough. They're they're treading water here that if they could continue to just play like even close to 500 basketball for the next month, I I think they think that they're buying themselves some time for another trade to materialize that could actually change their season. I, that's... (laughs) That's probably the only way they can think because
2: otherwise you're sort of just reserved to being a bad team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And it's just like, what's the, what is the point of that?
1: Yeah. I don't know. Well, Hey, you get to live in LA. I think for LeBron, that, that is, that is the point. Uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's really strange. I, I think again, LeBron scoring, you know, the, the scoring record is still very much I think top of mind for him this season once he gets back, like he he at least that has that carrot to dangle in front of himself, uh, even if the Lakers are not a title contender. But I will say, and we we could say this in context with a lot of teams in the West. Not that the Lakers are anywhere close to winning the Western Conference, but I think if you are LA and you're LeBron, I, you know the fact that there's not you know the Warriors aren't off to this 14 and one start, or you know the Clippers aren't blowing teams out night to night. I, I think it's a little easier to say, hey, look let's make a deal here because it does feel like the West is at least somewhat open for us. Yeah. I There are, are there any elite teams in the West? The Suns? I, I would still bet golden state to win the West. I, I am not convinced that, you know, that this is suddenly a, a team that went from winning the title a few months ago to a sub 500 uh, operation, but no, I don't, I don't think there's a truly quote unquote elite team. And yeah, the Suns have looked good, but I also think the Suns, the way that they exited the playoffs last year, I don't care what they do. They could go 82 and zero in the regular season. And there's still going to be questions in the back of your mind. Like I, I don't think, I don't think other teams in the West really fear the Phoenix suns maybe in the way that they did two years ago.
2: No. And I think you could make the argument that even like the Pelicans are about as intimidating as the suns in a playoff series or even the Mavericks. uh, I
1: mean, the suns have no depth. And I, I think, yeah, you know, I I I get I don't again, I don't think teams look at Chris Paul at this point and say, oh man, we gotta face that guy or Devin Booker or DeAndre Ayton. You know, I think I think the Suns are kind of looked at as paper tigers now with the way that they uh just, just completely folded last year against Dallas. I think so.
2: We'll see what happens with Chris Paul. I think that's ultimately yeah. going to be what determines um that.
1: Yeah, that is uh that is a situation that has not been ideal for fantasy. He's going to miss his seventh straight game tonight um you know that, that sounded like a, a minor heel issue and now we're really without a timetable he's supposed to be evaluated at some point this week i would be surprised if he plays at all this week so he, he probably misses around 10 games before we get uh, any sort of real update there but yeah obviously their hopes will hinge on chris paul's health uh let's go back down the okc thunder seven and ten are the thunder right now uh again uh, off to it feels like every year these last few where we we know this is a bad team they get off to a decent start uh and then they kind of pull the rug out from under themselves and and do what they need to do for draft positioning. I, I remain completely convinced that that will be the case at some point this year. Um, but it, it feels weird that we've, I've gone this long already without bringing up SGA, if we're talking about the thunder. SGA
2: MVP caliber season from him. Um, still the second ranked player in fantasy. It's just he's, I mean, he's at the top of the scouting report every single night for this thunder team that is not bad. Um, you know, like you actually have to try to beat the, the Oklahoma City Thunder at this point, and uh, he's just out of control. I don't, I don't know when it's going to slow down. I, I'm sure it will a little bit, but the volume and efficiency is is ridiculous. I mean, he's he's doing Luka Doncic esque things minus some of the passing,
1: right? With a, a poor supporting cast around him, right? I mean, Luka doesn't have the greatest supporting cast, but it, it's even worse for SGA. Uh, you know, he did have his first like truly bad game of the season over the weekend against Memphis, 15 points, six of 18 shooting. Um, you know, a, a game where they, they fell behind early and just couldn't really crawl back. So, um, you know, that, I think that's kind of maybe seemed like an inflection point in some ways. But then he comes back with 37 and five uh, the next game against New York. That was last night. Um, I, I don't really see it slowing down uh, until the Thunder want it to slow down, you know. So it's kind of a question whether you're talking real life or fantasy of, you know, it's still in the back of your mind at some point, you know, are, do they want Shea Gilgis-Alexander going out and putting up 37 points in a win in mid-March? I, I don't know that the Thunder want that.
2: I don't know. Um, I, the thing is the he's he's been like this efficient before. Like I'm, I'm looking at these stats right now. This season, 126, or I should say 1.25 points per shot. And two years ago, he was 1.25 points per shot on a similar usage rate. It's just that he's shooting a little bit more. And, I mean, his defense has also been really good this season. That's that's yep. definitely driving up some of his value, like 1.8 steals, 1.4 blocks. That's crazy. Yeah, blocks especially. Right. Uh, he's a big guard, so he's, he's getting those blocks. But um, other than that, this team is sort of a mess. Like, there's guys in and out of the lineup. They start a different starting lineup. Every game, there's guys who start the second half over other guys for no reason. This team doesn't even have a, a lineup that's played 100 possessions together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Josh Giddy, I think he's going to play a little bit better, but I don't I don't think there's a ton there. And Poku is, you know, obviously, like, highly inconsistent. Um, Dort is who he is. Jalen Williams has been fun. oh mean, yeah. he's had some really nice performances, but it's just – it, there's that give and take of the inconsistency of the minutes is kind of still there. Like when everyone's going to be healthy. So I, I don't even know if you have to have him in like a 12 team league.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I have Williams that I, I've kind of been streaming him on and off in, in some leagues. I, I do think he's one of those guys that you're definitely going to want from February through the end of April. I think there's, he's going to be a, uh, a potential league winner type of guy at the end of the year right now. Like you said, that rotation feels like it changes every single night. Uh, but SGA has eight more blocks than Bam Adebayo on the season <laughs> for what it's worth. Uh, as, as someone who has Bam in a bunch of leagues, I'm loving that. Uh, and, and Josh Giddy, one more note on him. His last five, 18 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, 51% from the field, 88% at the line. Not, not taking a ton of free throws, but nonetheless, uh, still pretty good. The three-point shot though uh, remains a, a work in progress to put it kindly. 26% last year, he's at 27.7% right now.
2: He also doesn't get to the free throw line, which is always a concern of mine. For I mean, for any player, but for guards, um, it's tough when you're just not putting enough pressure on the rim. Not not that he doesn't put any pressure on the rim, because obviously he, he's not shooting threes and he's scoring points. But um, one point seven free throw attempts per game over this past seven, it's just, I, I just I, I I was hoping for a little more improvement in those parts of his game, which were very clear
1: weaknesses,
2: and they they haven't really been there quite yet.
1: The Golden State Warriors, one of the first five teams that we are talking about on this podcast, they are eight and 10, uh, just got their doors completely blown off, uh, last night by the Pelicans. They of course held out pretty much all of their regulars in that game. This is not the first time that we've seen Golden State do that this season. And every time it happens, I I somehow feel a little bit better about the Warriors. Like the fact that they're okay, basically just chalking up these, these big losses and and building in rest for their starters. I I think. Frustrated internally, but I, I don't think they're panicking.
2: I don't think they're panicking partially because of every five man lineup in the NBA that is playing at least 250 possessions together. The Warriors starting five is the best um, plus 27 per 100 possessions. They are demolishing teams with their starting five on the floor. Uh, the, the issue continues to be their bench. And so I think, I think what you said is right they're okay with, hey, we can lose a few games here or there to rest our starters. Plus, they need to get these bench guys some experience. Yes. Like, you can't, you can't have Kaminga and Moody and whoever else be playing, like, 12 minutes a night, getting DMPs all the time. Like, these guys actually have to get out in the court and play, gain some confidence. That's the ol- I think that's the only way they can sort of mm-hmm. end up making this work by playoff time.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think they're the team that has the ultimate runway. You know, they they could be the seven seed in the West and it, it, they're still, to me, they're still the team to beat. Um, and I think they realized that and, you know, they, no team has, has less to play for in the regular season at this point uh, than this version of the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Clay Thompson, you know, finally came alive uh, over the weekend, had that huge game, uh, hit 10 three-pointers. He's still you know, he's outside the top 150 in fantasy. I, I, I'm still looking to buy low on clay. You know, it'd be one thing if he came back and looked like this last year, but I felt like by the end of the playoffs, I mean, he was, he was a little more inconsistent than Pete clay, but for the most part, I, I thought he was pretty much back. Um, so I, I think there's a pretty major buy low opportunity there in uh, Curry. I mean, not much else to say there. He is currently the number one guy uh, in fantasy nine category per game and total value. Um, I, I wouldn't say I shied away from Curry in drafts, but you know the regression last year scared me off a little bit. I, I was leaning in some other directions. So uh, I don't even think I, I ended up rostering Curry on any of my redraft teams.
2: I don't have any Curry. I, 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 I wasn't shying away from him. It just didn't happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm buying low on clay. I don't think that's a bad idea, but the, you still have to consider that it, I don't know when this back-to-back resting thing yeah. will end. And I'll say as someone who has rostered Clay in like three leagues, I think, that it's just, it's really annoying. And it's hard because he just won't play. And then sometimes when he does play, it's like you'll have like a 12-point performance with like two rebounds, one assist. Yeah. And it's like, man, I should have just started Malik Monk.
1: Yeah. The, the non-shooting stats have basically completely dried up with clay. That that's frustrating. And, you know, I mean, at at this point he's dug himself such a hole field goal percentage wise that yeah, it'll improve, but you know, it's still probably going to be quite a bit lower uh, than what you'd like. I mean, he's, he's comfortably in the thirties right now. Uh, This brings us to the Minnesota Timberwolves. We are now uh, over 500 Timberwolves are nine and eight, uh, still pretty far down the Western conference standings, but that uh, they went through a pretty rough stretch earlier this month. Uh, at one point, they lost six out of seven, but they have now won four in a row. Uh, most most recently, taking down the short-handed Miami Heat last night. Really weird team. If you if you're just looking at box scores for fantasy, like any given night, you could see anything. Like Rudy Gobert, uh, you know, sometimes they'll have like the twelve point twenty rebound game. He had a few of those early on. Lately, it's been more like two points, eight rebounds, one block, and like weird minute totals one night. It's Anthony Edwards going off the next night. It's Carl Anthony towns. I, I remain kind of baffled by what this team is.
2: I'm also baffled. I think they're still really, they're very much in the process of figuring it out. I don't necessarily hate any of these guys as a buy low opportunity because I think it's just so chaotic right now that most of these guys actually have more upside than they've shown. Although towns has been picking it up a little bit lately. Actually, he's like 16th and, uh, yeah. And eight cat now, which is all right. Um, Deep leagues, Kyle Anderson's actually been a little sneaky. But I, uh, the, the, you know, Jacob McDowell's has been fine. Like you said, it's just any given night, someone can just completely have a terrible game. Like someone could score, a le- you know, Towns, uh, two nights ago against Philly, 12 points. Before that, he had an 11 point game against Phoenix. Um, obviously, D'Angelo Russell is super inconsistent. So, um, you know, three points, four points, nine points. You look at his box scores, it's, I, I don't know. I, you got to kind of wait it out.
1: Yeah. Gobert has been a major disappointment for me. I mean, early on, uh, he was killing it. He's still a top 40 guy, so it hasn't been disastrous, but he has the same number of blocks as SGA on the year. He's played one fewer game. So yeah, I don't, I don't want to pump up SGA too much, but that is, uh, that is not good. You know, you're drafted Rudy Gobert for the blocks and the volume rebounds. And both of those have kind of come and gone on a nightly basis. Uh, DeAndre Russell, not a good player uh, shooting like 40% on the year. He's just, he's not good. I I think they need to, I wouldn't even say upgrade that spot. I, I, they just need somebody else in there. I think, I think Russell is like a horrible fit with the other guys that you have in that starting five. Um, and the other, only other note I have Anthony Edwards currently 62 spots lower than his ADP in nine cat leagues. He is the 82nd ranked player through 17 games. Uh, interestingly, you, you mentioned I wanted to look at the
2: on off court numbers with Russell when you mentioned that you you think they should maybe just think I do something else there. Jordan McLaughlin, the backup point guard, yeah, leads, the, leads the team at point differential at plus 20, <laughs> plus 20 per 100 possessions. Let's D'Angelo go. Russell is a team worst, minus 11.6. Um, Gobert is not too far behind at minus 11, uh, minus
1: 10.9. So. Hmm. in the Western conference Uh, played a ton of close games. Feels like every game has been close for them uh, over the last month. They've dropped two out of three uh, lost to the shorthanded nuggets uh, lost to the rockets uh, last week, uh, about a week ago, that was uh, not acceptable losing to the rockets in in any circumstance, but um, I don't really have much to say about Dallas outside of Luka Doncic. And this is pretty much exactly, I think what we expected as far as how this roster lines up. I mean, he, he has to do everything. He, in a lot of ways has been doing everything for this team in years past, but I I almost feel like they intentionally set up this roster to, to lean harder into that than ever. Like at least last year we had Jalen Brunson, you know, he had Porzingis, like there were these pseudo number two options, like by getting rid of those type of guys, they have just made it so explicitly clear that this entire operation runs through Luca.
2: I don't know if it's the best way to try to win a title but i don't blame them for doing it given the given the assets that they had and the choices available to them i can't say i would have i mean should they have signed like the javel mcgee thing is a little that's kind of baffling but um other than that i think they've done fine and yeah it's just luca it's Dinwiggy as a sort of number two the christian wood experience has been as frustrating as we all sort of wondered if it might be and uh other than that yeah it's pretty much nobody like like Dorian Finney-Smith you know if you're in a deep league if you're super deep it's like there's some interesting Josh Green minutes Hardaway hasn't been very good Powell's back it's just kind of what we're used to uh from a lot of these guys
1: yeah uh, I have Hardaway in in a couple of leagues where he's like my last man he's basically been alternating like 25 point games with like all of 10 shooting games. Right, it's been, yeah. it's been horrific. Like if you, if you stream him on the right night, you know, he had, he had 28 uh, and five three pointers against the Rockets last week. Uh, his most recent game, he went zero over 05 from three. Like it, it just is what it is. I, I think Spencer Dinwiddie, I, I did a video for the site uh, early last week and I, I named him as one of my, my guys I'm looking to sell right now. I think he is playing well above his level. I mean, the, the field goal percentage is by far a career high free throw percentage is a career high. Uh, Three point percentage is, is up like seven points from last year. Um, So to me, he's, he's kind of saved them early on. He's been the clear number two guy behind Luca, but I I think there's some pretty major regression coming for him at some point.
2: He's also never been particularly healthy.
1: Yeah. And And so he's he's banged up right now. Right. Right. Uh, Okay. This brings us to the Portland trailblazers. We are right in the middle of the conference. They are one of three teams currently sitting at 10 and seven Uh, you know, when Damian Lillard has been healthy, this has been a a team that, you know, got to the top of the West early and, you know, it's been a surprise. I I, I worry that this calf injury is just going to be something that Lillard is kind of nagging him the entire year. This is now twice that he's uh missed time uh, with that same injury. You kind of wonder too, it's like coming off of uh, an injury riddled season last year. Maybe it's one of those like overcompensation type of injuries, you know, reintegrating yourself. I, I know it was an abdominal issue last year, but. Uh, Nonetheless, this is a guy that just hasn't really had these type of injuries for most of his career. I'm really intrigued though by Portland overall. I think they haven't really had an extended stretch. You know, Lillard has has not played more than five games in a row for this team quite yet. Um, And the silver lining to him getting hurt is we've seen a lot more shade and sharp. Sharp's been interesting. A little, it's a little empty calories in terms of
2: fantasy because he's not he's not doing a ton of passing or anything like that. Because they just they have so many other guys. Who who are capable of doing that? But yeah, Shane Troy, he's looked, he's looked a little more NBA ready than I expected, given that he it's been a while since he played competitive basketball. And uh it, yeah, it's just it's disappointing you know, for Lillard. He's having a good season. It's I I I I lean more towards these incidents are sort of fluky, but it it definitely is a concern, especially about this calf that he. They held him out. He came back. He reaggravated it, and you have to wonder now: Are they going to be extra cautious with him? And so, if you have him in fantasy, it's kind of a tough call. I mean, you—I don't think
1: you. I mean, I don't, I don't. Maybe you trade him, but I don't
2: know who's buying. It's
1: it's that kind of a situation. Yeah, yeah. I I just don't think you're going to get any real value that you'd feel great about in that situation. I mean, Lillard again, when healthy, has been. He's been fantastic so far this year. I mean, I think the injuries have kind of killed, uh, you know, his overall ranking. He left a couple games early that, that have, uh, you know, kind of damaged his overall, uh, rank and, you know, the field goal percentage has not been ideal, but, uh, the three-point volume is back. The free throw percentage is fine. Uh, I, I think, you know, one if he could just kind of shake off this calf injury, he's going to be totally good going forward. The new Orleans Pelicans 10 and seven, uh, they are. To me, like you, like you alluded to early on, like kind of hanging around the fringes of contention. I, I I did not take them seriously as a true title contender this season. And I, I still don't know if I'm quite ready to go there. I, I think when push comes to shove in a playoff series, that that's a pretty tough team uh, to envision getting all the way through the West. But in terms of pure talent, um, you know, with, with teams like the Clippers dealing with injuries and the Warriors struggling, like, I, I don't know, I, I, I've had kind of had to force myself to reevaluate. Uh, where the Pelicans come in in this hierarchy, and as of right now, twenty-eight to one to win the NBA title, they have lower odds than the Heat. I, uh,
2: yeah, I don't. They actually have the uh, that, that I think this is right, the best point differential in the NBA, excluding garbage time. I think yeah. that's right. Um, they are, uh, yeah. I mean, but even Zion hasn't even looked
1: particularly great. Nope, he's coming off a bad game last night.
2: Right. It's just this team is this team is deep, full of players who (laughs) it sounds ridiculous. They're deep, full of players who try and have very um, like they have skill sets that sort of play off of each other and a lot of different types of players. Like when they need that defensive intensity, they can bring in Alvarado when they need sort of a floor spacing athletic five instead of Valanciugas. They can bring in Nance. They need more defense. They have Herb Jones. They need more three point shooting. They can bring in Trey Murphy. Um, Najee Marshall has given them some actually pretty decent minutes. Um, if they want to lose the game, they can put in Devontae Graham. <laughs> I, I think, uh, I, I just like this team a lot. They just have so many yeah. different options to, to run their team. I think, and I think they still have stuff to figure out. Like, I think they still have to figure out better how to use Zion and how to make all this stuff mesh. But even it being so clunky, uh, at times that it's working, I they have a lot of upside
1: it doesn't feel to me like they've played well at all. And they are third in net rating They're top six in both offense and defense. Uh, I'm I'm with you on all that. And, and like you said, Zion hasn't been that good. You know, he, he, he kind of, it feels like every night he he gives you a 26, four and four, uh, but like defensively hasn't really developed at all. Uh, You know, the free throw shooting comes and goes. He's still hanging around 70% there. Uh, Like for fantasy purposes, he is literally the exact same guy as two years ago. So if you took him like, 28th overall in your draft, you're probably not thrilled because I don't really think there's a a ton of like in-season upside there. He's currently outside of the top 100 right now uh, in per game nine cat value. He is a high turnover player for a forward. Uh, He doesn't add any value from three. He doesn't block shots. And then the free throw percentage on high volume uh, is is obviously a killer there. I mean, in points leagues, whatever you love him. Um, But yeah, it it feels like he's kind of this sleeping giant where if they, if eventually they could find a way to unlock Duke Zion, uh, this team becomes extremely dangerous.
2: He, uh, him and Larry Nance are dangerously close in fantasy value, actually. Yeah. Um, L- well, yeah, that I, says
1: more about Larry Nance, who's been <laughs> awesome the last couple of weeks. That's true. Yeah. Zion.
2: Yeah, Zion is one of these guys who I mean, he's just he's so locked into those numbers. Like Zion is just locked into twenty-two and six every night with a few assists. But you're right; they're just they need to find a way to sort of get him to take the next step. And fully utilize him.
1: Zion's ability to not have like a monster game every now and then is actually impressive. Like the consistency with which he <laughs> sits in like the 25 to 29 point range. Like w- w- how has he not had like a 51 point game where he just, you know, where he's like 17 of 20 from the field, just, you know, layup after layup. I, I it's, it's actually crazy to me. like, he's playing a ton of minutes.
2: Yeah. His career high is 39. He hasn't scored more than 29 in a game this season. Also doesn't have more than 12
1: rebounds in a game this season. He's kind of a, you're right. It's just the weird. Yeah. It's really it weird. weird. I, I don't get like, and it, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if he's not assertive enough. I mean, he, like you said, there are a ton of options on this team. It's not like they're just running everything through him. And it does feel like half of his buckets still come on like hustle points. Yeah, He, he just kind of sleepwalks his way to 20 points every night, but yeah, over half of his games this year, he's had, between 25 and 29 points. Like where there just needs to be a little more variance there. Um, Even even like, I like to see even more bad games. Like just, it's just been so average across the board, like go up and down a little bit, dude. Uh, all right. The Memphis Grizzlies, another 10 and 17. Um, they've been really up and down. I mean, the defense was like horrific to begin the year. Uh, they, they've got that somewhat turned around. They're still a bottom 10 defense, but they were last in the league for a while. Uh, offensively, this team gets up and down top 10 offense uh, right in the middle of the pack, though. In terms of net rating, they did just get Jaron Jackson back. Uh, Like we said, it looks like John Morant has dodged a serious injury. But uh, to me, I mean, missing Desmond Bain, that's huge. That is huge. He's he's been out a week, uh, will likely miss at least one more week. I I think to me, he has become the single most underrated player in the NBA, especially if you're talking about like in the public NBA fan consciousness, uh, not fantasy basketball. I I think he's properly rated in fantasy basketball, but I I, I would – I think I could talk to a lot of my friends who would consider themselves NBA fans and they would know nothing about Desmond Bain.
2: I agree with you. He's actually been better in fantasy than John Morant this year. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, he's, he's a hundred percent. He's very much like a, um, I mean, he's an all-star. I, he does. He deserves to be an all-star this year. Just like has taken his game to a different level. Can shoot the three. He can pass, you know, when uh, Morant's out of the game, just someone who i didn't really expect this from like i you know like bane his rookie year was pretty like nothing right as far as i remember yeah like nine uh, points a game yeah, i
1: mean decent based on where he was drafted but yeah not nothing that implied that he'd be averaging 25 a game two years later
2: right like it spiked last year when dylan brooks missed a season and now it's just um it's been cooking he's he's awesome and the free throw attempts are up that's a huge thing for me as i always point yeah. out like he's up to five free throws a game that's He's, he's doubled his free throw late rate from last year. So yeah, he's, he's awesome.
1: What is the ultimate upside for Bain? Not talking fantasy, but like in terms of player archetype, you know, I, I think developmentally it's kind of similar to Chris Middleton, you know, another guy who right. good college player didn't really come into the NBA with, with much in terms of expectations. And then pretty early on, you know, it was clear that, that the bucks had a hit after they traded for him. I almost feel like I, you know, like, I, I think Bain maybe has like slightly more upside, Then Chris Middleton, like, I don't remember Middleton ripping off, like, I mean, Bain has four 30-point games already this year. Um, I I don't remember Middleton having quite that high of upside this early. But then again, I also don't see Bain ever being considered, like, a top 15 to 20 player in the league. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Like, I I agree that developmentally,
2: it, it sort of looks the same as Middleton in the sense of, you know, lower pick, who is now the number two on a team with, like, a superstar on it. Yeah. And so that's the same, but they're completely different players. Bain is um a better athlete. He's way, way more aggressive driving to the basket, also yeah. more aggressive just like launching threes, and he's a better three point shooter. Um it, it is tough to say what the upside is because he's he also has kind of a unique body type, uh right. too, where it's like you you don't see a lot of like six he's like six five, two twenty, sort of like. I don't know. Could he, I mean, could he end up being like a Brad
1: Beal, like
2: peak Brad Beal?
1: Mm, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I, I think he's somewhere like between peak Beal and we're talking 30 points per game, Brad Beal yeah. and Middleton. Yeah. Because like, I, I think much in the same way, nobody has ever once said, man, I'd love to see Chris Middleton have his own team. Nobody's saying that about Desmond Bain either. Right. Like I, I think there's a, there's a, an acknowledgement that this guy is very good, but he's probably not the type of guy that could ever succeed as a number one guy.
2: Yeah, I mean I, I think I I think Desmond Bain would be more successful with his own team than, than Chris Middleton, but I yeah, I
1: I get no, don't think either of those teams are, are threatening to make the finals, oh, right? I guess is no, what I'm no. saying. I mean, but no, I think I think yeah, Beale is, is actually a pretty decent cop. But I, I I you think of Bain as kind of more of this like he's he's just like a burly guy. Like it's kind of hard to picture Desmond Bain. Like, I, I don't like when you think of Brad Beale, you know, you're like, okay, you could you could picture some like signature plays that Brad Beal has had. With Bain, it's just a like a brutally effective 25 points per game. Like he's not breaking guys ankles. He's not dunking all over you. Like he just, he just gets it done. Um, But yeah, I think Beal is a pretty good one. I'm scrolling through guys who have made like third team, all NBA over the last decade to see if anybody stands out. I I think he can become like a Joe Johnson caliber player.
2: Yeah. His play style actually reminds me a little bit of Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon, where he's just, he's very, he's downhill. Like he's just very downhill, straight line drives to the basket we'll just pull up launch from three mm-hmm. when he gets a little bit of space. Um, obviously a good passer. Right. Um, but I'm looking with, with Morant off the court, Bain's averaging 32 and six Jeez. Um, with only three and uh, three and a half
1: turnovers. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's, he's clearly capable of scaling up his production. All right. Here's my, my upside comp. I, th- I think I got it. This okay. guy could not be, could not be less similar as an actual player, but <laughs> I think in terms of impact and like career trajectory, I could see this. DeMar DeRozan. Oh, okay. All right. You know, uh, one of those guys who at his peak, really, really good. Maybe his peak was last year. Could be like, you know, close to 30 point per game guy, but never really in that discussion of like, who are the greatest players in the league? I think that makes sense. I I like that. All right. We got to move on. We got five teams left. The top five teams in the Western conference. Of course, we begin with the Sacramento Kings who are nine and six. The The light is beaming. (laughs) from the arena in Sacramento, six straight wins for the Kings. I, I, this is probably their highest regular season point in like at least 10 years. Right. I mean, I I don't, they haven't had a six game winning streak. uh, I think I read in like over a decade. Um, I mean, this is a team that seems to have finally kind of put together a roster that makes sense. Not something you could say uh, about a lot of Kings teams in the past still very, very skittish about buying in on this team as anything more than you know kind of a back end potential playoff team maybe the seven or the eight seed in the West but uh basketball is fun in Sacramento for the first time in a very very long time
2: I remain extremely concerned about their defense yes which is twenty eighth although their offense is second which is why mm-hmm. they're, they're making this work however um yeah Fox looks really good hot take he's not gonna keep shooting fifty six percent from the field yeah. I'm not I'm also not sure he's a 50 or 85% free throw shooter. Uh, I I would say that's actually more likely to stick than the field goals, but uh, the the fit between him and Sabonis is working. They're really getting everything, absolutely everything they can out of Kevin Herter, which I love. They realize like, hey, we have like, this guy is actually an elite three-point shooter. Let's just have him run off screens. Like he is an elite three-point shooter and just jack up shots and see what happens. It's been going really well. And they haven't even gotten... Like, I guess if you're, if you're hoping for like, what makes this sustainable? Like I'm, I'm bringing them down a little bit with the deer Fox thing, but Keegan Murray hasn't played particularly well. No. And, um, you know, I, I do have some like Davion Mitchell, maybe gets it going a little bit, although it's tough cause he's behind Fox, but I'm interested. I'm definitely interested. And they might, they had, if they can, if they can get their defense to like only slightly below average bad, then, um, I'll, they could be frisky and they're, they're frisky right now.
1: Oh, they're definitely frisky. I mean, if you're a top two offense in the NBA, you're, you're inherently frisky, especially if your Jersey says Kings on it. Uh, herders who I wanted to highlight. I mean, he's beating his ADP by like 80 spots right now. Uh, he was like borderline undrafted in a lot of leagues. I think there was some uncertainty about where he would slot in in Sacramento. He has been unbelievable. I mean, almost four made threes per game, 50% from three on the year, Again, that number will inevitably regress, but you know we're, we're almost 20 games into the year. So I, I think he's going to have a pretty good chance, you would think, to hang over 40% on the season. So he's looking like one of the biggest steals. Uh, I mean, Malik Monk is starting to heat up, uh, and I'm glad you mentioned Keegan Murray, who has not even played that well for them. And I, I think he's going, for sure, going to continue to improve as the year goes along. I think he's made Harrison Barnes pretty expendable for that roster. The LA Clippers, 11-7, and Kawhi, kind of back in the mix uh we'll see feels like that's just going to be game to game the entire year uh the the games that he has played this season he has yet to play more than 25 minutes in any game Uh, i just played 23 against utah last night had eight points five assists so uh, i'm getting what i paid for in (laughs) stake
2: yes uh, i think you will end up paying for a stake i i think uh, and paul george is hurt Like Paul George strained his hamstring after what they thought was like a knee injury. You don't really know what happened there. This is just a really difficult team to talk about They're They're as sort of mythical as the LA Lakers in the sense of it's a little bit different, but how do you even have a discussion about a team that like Kawhi like we can be like, Oh yeah, John Wall's having a nice, you know, season Zubach. Like it's basically like Zubach and Marcus Morris are like the standout players from this team right now. If you're if you're in fantasy, yeah, Wait, I, so, I don't know.
1: Yeah, at <laughs> a loss for. I,
2: I I literally yeah. I don't know what to say about the LA Clippers. They're just they're so yeah. bizarre. They are just no one's healthy.
1: It's incomplete,
2: Inco- a very much like incomplete, like it's just ungradable team. And the fact that they're eleven and seven, honestly, Ty Lue has is doing it again. They started off so badly too. Um, they've been rattling off wins this month. I think they only have three losses this month. Um, don't know how they're doing that, but um, they're just really well-coached. That's why I can say.
1: Yeah, they really are. Uh, they're they're just going to hang around. I, I think they have the luxury of just kind of doing this with Kawhi for as long as they need to. It's going to be horrendous for fantasy. It's already been terrible. I, I don't see that really improving. Um, what would you set the over-under for number of games that Kawhi Leonard plays at least 30 minutes this regular season? Oh, my God. <laughs>
2: um uh 12 and a half
1: (laughs) i'm going way under i was i was gonna say like seven and a half i i don't 12 and a half like dude if that happens i might win the stake league
2: that's true that's true i i don't know what i was thinking i too optimistic i guess
1: no 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 yeah it's 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 not looking good i'm just kind of i'm trying to go like full negativity mode on that one zero expectations um, and still he's available. So if you want to trade for him, please, please right, okay. I implore you to let me know. All right. Three more teams. We'll, we'll burn through these Denver 10 and six to me, kind of an incomplete as well. Uh, we, we chatted a couple of weeks ago about Jokic being underwhelming for fantasy. He's still just like a lock to finish in the top seven at this point, but numbers haven't really been there. And you know, now he's, he's been down with COVID for a handful of games. So is Jamal Murray. Aaron Gordon's been hurt as well. Uh, bones Island's been banged up. Jeff green has been banged up. Like it's, I don't. I don't know what to say about the Nuggets at this point.
2: They're really hurt right now. I will say I. Uh, I'm really enjoying the Bones Highland experience. Uh, yeah. Some of the some of the most street ball esque highlights we've seen in a long time from a player. Uh, 32% usage out of Bones Highland this season, averaging like 26 and six per 36 minutes. I think he. I. You know, I think he has to be rostered in twelve team fantasy leagues, honestly, because even when everyone's healthy, he's gonna come in and just go nuts for twenty minutes or nineteen minutes or yeah. whatever it is. And then when you're on a four-game week, that's an automatic start. And uh when Buggy's hurt, he's he's five extra minutes for him, tongue extra usage. He's he's the man.
1: He had three three pointers on Sunday against Dallas, and that brought his season average in made threes down. Uh he has just been lighting it up <laughs> from three and, and most of this has come with Jamal Murray in the lineup. You know, it's not like Murray's been out for four weeks here. Like he's, you know, he's played more minutes of late, but uh, over his last nine games and there's, there's four absences mixed in there last nine games, he's averaging 3.9 made threes on 48% from three. So yeah, like you said, I mean, overall, you know, his fantasy numbers are, are nothing crazy. Like the field goal percentage isn't great. He doesn't really add anything on defense. Uh has been giving you about four assists, which is nice, but you're just chasing the points and the threes. And, and anytime it's a four or five game week for Denver, totally justifiable. The Phoenix suns 10 and six are the Suns second place in the Western conference. You know, we mentioned Chris Paul early on uh, cl- tracking that very closely. This to me still feels like a team that one needs to trade Jay Crowder and two probably needs to add a- another semi-significant piece for me to really feel good about them, making another title run. Like I just, I, I really, really don't like the depth on this team. And they've been able to weather some injuries, you know, cam cam Johnson has been out. Um, and and they've been for the most part. Okay. But I, I don't know, I flipping Jay Crowder and turning him into like another, I don't know, like veteran wing type of option. Like, I I don't know if that pushes them over the top. Like they, they need somebody else who's going to give them something.
2: I think so. The cam Johnson injury is really tough for them. And I, what, one thing worth noting, Mikael bridges get some extra usage this year with, with Paul and, and Cam Johnson out, he's looked pretty good. Like, he's up to 35th per game, eight cat. This is a guy who was like really struggling to do much better than that because he was a little one dimensional. Past seven games for him 17 points, six rebounds, four assists, a steal, and a half, and a block. Excellent, uh, pretty sustainable shooting. And uh, so he's been really good. The DeAndre Ayton thing that's tough. I mean, if you drafted him, what 40th, you're you're not getting a lot out of him. I will say some of his n- numbers are being dragged down by the weird stretch, got hurt, got eased back into it. He's playing a little better now, but the points are just lower than what you would expect from a team that is like down Chris Paul and Cam Johnson. Yeah. Um, And it's just he he's having a really hard time getting over like 15 points a, a game.
1: Yeah, it's been, it's been strange. I mean, Booker's been, been really good for them, but even he, you know, you you would expect like given the circumstances that he could be averaging like 31 a game right now. And that's just not really the case. They've been, they've been super efficient on offense. They've been good on defense. They're second in net rating right now. So, so no real complaints over in Sunsland. land. This brings us to the top of the Western conference. And the one team we have not mentioned the 12 and seven Utah jazz, who uh, had a much bigger cushion last time we talked about them. They have now lost four of their last six.
2: Yeah, um, a little regression, uh, certainly coming for the jazz. Um, don't think it's the, uh, don't think it's the Rudy Gay injury. Although they, they, uh, they did lose Mike Conley and that his injury is still a little, you know, it sounds like he, maybe he's back within the next couple weeks, but, um, you know, as much as like, we've sort of said that Mike Conley, maybe his best, I mean, his best days are behind him, obviously, but, um, he's been pretty good for them. And so losing him matters partially because Colin Sexton has not been good for them. And um, so you sort of lose your anchor at point guard. And I wouldn't be surprised if this sort of triggers a bit of a slide for them. I think, you know, Clarkson and Malik Beasley, some of those guys will pick it up, but um, maybe this sort of starts the regression to the mean a little bit. Although I still think they're, they're a good team that's well coached.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think they've already proven that. And regardless of what happens going forward, um, I I feel like they're going to be cruising off of this start, no matter what, like it's already been a successful season for the jazz. They've had their fun. And I I think they can now comfortably uh, slowly, but surely like chip away at this lead in the Western conference. And like, when we do this a month from now, I think we'll be talking about the jazz right in the middle. You know, we'll, we'll be like, Oh, the seven seed Utah jazz who have very quietly lost 11 of their last 18, you know, and, eventually that they're just going to keep that up. Like, I don't know if we're going to see a like process Sixers like avalanche where they lose 18 games in a row. Uh, because I I don't really think this team has that in them, but like you said, the Conley injury is big that they were due for just some overall regression. And there's still the specter hanging over this team of how many of these guys are still on the roster after the deadline. It's a fair question. And,
2: I I really don't know how you handle it. I think it's a little case-by-case in terms of who you have on your roster. For example, if I have Markkinen, I'm a little worried. But if he gets – he's playing so well right now, and he's proving so much that he can be a legitimate go-to option, that if he got traded somewhere, I wouldn't be worried. Like, I don't think he's going to get traded somewhere and start playing like 24 five minutes a game or 23 minutes a game or something like that. Like maybe he plays 29 or 30 and his usage goes down a little bit, but I don't think he's getting, I don't think his value is getting like tanked. Um, I think there are other guys who have a bigger risk of that. Like Jordan Clarkson, for example, who's averaging yeah. 19 points, four and a half assists. I'd be more worried that he gets dealt somewhere, starts playing 23 minutes a game. And he's still gonna shoot sugar ton and, and use a bunch of, you know, possessions because that's who he is. But um, I'm more worried about a guy like him or Mike Conley.
1: Is there anyone on this roster who you feel like the opposite about? Like if, and when they trade some of those guys, are, are you earmarking like Nikhil Alexander Walker for your starting lineups in, in March? Alexander Walker is getting
2: DMPs.
1: Yeah. That worries
2: okay. me. Sexton also just is not, it's not happening for him. I, I just don't think he's within this offense. He's just not a point guard. So his assist upside is not going to be there. I again, I haven't like been that impressed with. I mean, Horton Tucker's had his moments. You know, you look at his box score, and it's like, you know, he's got uh, five rebounds, he had a 10 assist game, and then it's like zero assists. And yeah. um, so maybe it's, and who knows if Beasley's still going to be there. I mean, Beasley has upside because he jacks threes, but Vanderbilt's got not getting more usage. So uh, maybe it's Kessler. You know, I think if you're like, if you're like, I want to stash a couple guys. Stash Kessler, maybe Talon Horton Tucker. I would consider Beasley, but I also feel like he's a guy a candidate to candidate to get traded.
1: Yeah, Beasley's been on fire of late. I think he's benefited from some of those injuries. I, you know, I picked him up in one league, and of course, he had six points on two of eleven last night against the Clippers. Like <laughs> you can kind of see that that coming. Um, but I mean, he had an eight game run where he was averaging eighteen points and four and a half threes. Um, so he, you know, he's kind of landed in a decent spot and it does feel like whoever's kind of left on the merry-go-round after those trades happen, is going to be in really good shape. If it's Beasley, he could end up being like the number one option for this team for, for a couple of months, but really, really hard to predict. And with THT, I, I don't know, man, like you do see it, like the highs, much like they were in LA, like the highs are pretty high, but the lows are also as low as they've ever been. And he, he just can't string together. Like, right. You know, he'll have like a nice game and you're like, all right, I kind of see it. And then the next night, you know, it will be seven points, two rebounds in 14 minutes. Like he just can't string back to back good games together.
2: No, I mean, he's again, you know, you look at the games, he's played over 20 minutes, it's 12 points, four rebounds, two and a half assists. The defensive numbers are actually maybe like his most valuable stat at this point, which is kind of bizarre. Um, Someone who just, yeah, he needs to get, uh, he, he sort of floats out there. He needs to find like an elite skill. That's his problem right now. He's just someone who's just kind of out there yeah. playing basketball. <laughs>
1: he
2: needs to like make yeah. an impact
1: somehow. If you, if you, do you watch the show? I think you could leave or I think you should leave. Excuse me. No, but I see the a lot of comedy memes show. It. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen the memes, but yeah, there's uh he needs to figure out what he does. If you watch the show, uh, you know what I mean? But uh, on that note, we should probably wrap this up. I need to stop giving the caveat at the start of the show <laughs> that like, we'll we'll keep it to one to two minutes per team. Like we did not even get close on this one. We were, we were going way over. Uh, It was like four minutes per team. So in the future, I'm not even going to put a time limit on it. We're just going to talk about all 15 teams uh, and see how long it takes us. But we'll cut this one off here. Um, Not sure how many episodes we'll have this week. Obviously, a a bit of a wonky week with the Thanksgiving holiday on Thursday. But uh, we want to thank you for listening. Alex, thanks for joining me and enjoy your Thanksgiving. You too.